0: as a church here, we say we are missional in practice, missional in practice. And by that we mean that our mission as a church is to glorify Jesus, to make him famous in our city, in this generation. And one of the ways that we do that is to make disciples. And so the passage that James has just read for us from the end of the Gospel of Matthew really shapes our understanding as a church about what it means to be missional in practice, and for us as Christians, how we are missional in practice. Um, if you've got your Bible open, you'll be able to tell that what James just read for us is right at the end of Matthew's Gospel. That it, there's not, nothing more after that. Uh, Jesus, uh, we've, we're, we're told in the, in the Gospel, um, has completed his earthly ministry, He's been found guilty of, of a crime he didn't commit. He he was killed, crucified on a cross. He was buried in the tomb belonging to Joseph of Arimathea. The tomb was sealed and guarded by soldiers. But on the Sunday, on the first day of the week, two days later, two women called Mary, both attended his grave to anoint the body with spices and oils, part of their burial custom. And yet when they got there, they found that the grave was empty. Instead, they found an angel who was sat there and said, don't be afraid, he's risen, just as he said he would. And so, go to the disciples, said the angel. Go and tell them that Jesus will meet them in Galilee, just as he told them. And so we see that in verse 8 and 10. Of Matthew chapter 28. It's not on your sheet, but it's there if you want to see it and then the beginning of our passage To the mountain which Jesus directed them to and so what we have here is the final words of, uh, of Jesus as recorded by Matthew and So it's kind of like a cliffhanger, you know it's, it's the last things that we hear coming from the mouth of Jesus himself in Matthew's gospel and so this is really a moment for us to take note listen to the final words of Jesus as recorded and so we're going to think about this under a couple of headings this evening Uh, being missional in practice flows from worship, number one number two we see being missional in practice is obeyed by making disciples and number three being missional in practice hang on a minute I've got lost means yes we're motivated by authority so number one mission on practice flows from worship number two we're motivated by authority and number three it's obeyed by making disciples all right and we'll see that as we as we work through it so number one being mission on practice flows from our worship look down at verses uh, 16 and 17 uh, of our passage you know when we when we think of the great commission as it as it's known and we tend to start at verse 18 but actually uh, we, we miss some of what Matthew's teaching us if we, if we do that. So let's start at verse 16 and 17, which is really the beginning of the unit, because this is important. To be missional in practice flows from our worship. That's where it starts. And so we see here, Jesus has picked a very specific spot in Galilee. It's actually up a mountain. And here Jesus meets with his disciples. They see him with their own eyes. And in Matthew's Gospel, this is the first time they see Jesus. He reveals himself to them. In, in the story, don't forget, that the last time they saw Jesus, he was being beaten and flogged and mocked and stuck up on a cross, had nails through his hands and his feet. That was the last time they saw Jesus. And yet, here they are, on the mountaintop, seeing for the first time Jesus resurrected, glorified and he is alive and he's speaking to them but not only that he he wants a restored relationship with his disciples he wants to tell them they are his best friends even though they deserted him and so it says there in verse 17 when they saw him they worshipped him yeah, some doubted. Who wouldn't? They couldn't quite believe what they were seeing. So there they were on this mountaintop. By the way, that's the usual place that God chooses to reveal Himself to His people in Scripture. Is through the mountain on Mount Sinai, for example. And here we have another mountain, and God is revealing Himself in the person of His Son, Jesus Christ, to His disciples, and they adore Him. And they marvel at him and they find him utterly glorious and wonderful and majestic. Here he is, Jesus in front of them, so near to them and yet so otherworldly. They knew him as their friend, but they worshipped him as their God. And so this is the Jesus that then issues the Great Commission that we'll see in a few moments. This is the Jesus that tells them to go and make disciples. And so this is how we see that as a church, we are to be missional in practice which flows out of our worship for Jesus. In his classic book on mission, Pastor John Piper says this. He said, missions is not the ultimate goal of the church. Worship is. Missions exists because worship doesn't. Worship is ultimate, not missions, because God is ultimate, not man. When this age is over, says Piper, and countless millions of the redeemed fall on their faces before the throne of God, missions will be no more. It is a temporary necessity, but worship, he says, abides forever and we see that here in these verses we see that to be missional in practice flows out of worship because the great commission begins with the worship of Jesus and it ends with the worship of Jesus it's simply another way to, the only way to bring the world to know and worship Jesus And so if we want to understand what it is to be missional and practice, then we have to understand, first of all, that to be missional and practice flows out of our worship of the risen, glorified Lord Jesus Christ. It is our response to Jesus, what we do here as a church. We cannot go any further as a church unless we realize that it flows out of worship. Maybe you're a a regular church attender, either here at Foundation or in another church somewhere else. Maybe you've heard talks on the Great Commission before. It's a fairly popular passage to preach from. Maybe you've heard this call to obey and, and maybe somehow or other along the line you've sort of felt guilted into doing something. Sort of grinding it out, you know, trying to share Jesus with your friends because you kind of have to because Jesus kind of said you have to. But the point that we've got to really hold on to as a church right here is that we cannot effectively fulfil what Jesus is about to command us and the church if our attitude towards Jesus is one of indifference. If we are somehow cold towards Jesus and the gospel, then we're just going to see what he says next as some kind of grudging duty that we have to get on with. We will be ineffective as a church and as people, we will be fruitless if we just go straight to verse 18 and forget that to be missional in practice flows from worship. And so as a church, we we must learn to cherish Christ above all things. We must learn what it is to fall at his feet in worship, adoring him, glorifying him, Does he seem marvellous in your eyes? Is he glorious to you? If not, then we must go no further except to our knees and pray earnestly for God to forgive our indifference and to ask his Holy Spirit to remove the dullness within our hearts, to remove the distraction of our vision and to fill us with pleasure for Christ, a drive to seek him, heart, soul, mind, and strength. You see, the more glorious, the more wonderful we see Jesus, then the more we as a church will be driven to share him with the world. So first of all, we've got to get this straight. To be missional in practice flows from our worship of Jesus. But the second thing we see in this passage, number two, is that to be missional in practice is motivated by authority because it is the great commission that Jesus gives. Look down at verse 18. Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. That is, that is an immense statement, by the way. So let's not go any further just yet. Let's let that sink in. All authority in heaven and on earth, he says, has been given to me. That is the totality of authority that can ever be given has been given. It is complete and unabated authority over everything in heaven which is the realm of god's dwelling his presence over the heavenly realms with the angelic angel uh, armies he has authority over that and all authority in earth that is all of creation the created order everything in the universe i have authority over that stuff it is given to me says jesus And Jesus is Lord of the universe. He is the commander of heaven's armies. He is the supreme chief over all things. All authority. That's what he means. There is some sense, of course, that that, that Jesus has always had that authority. Our understanding of Jesus and who he is from the scripture would show us that Jesus is the eternal Son. There was never a time when he was not the Son of God. Before time began, he was the son. And so in that sense, he's always had authority. But in a different, under, different sense, he was given that authority that we're seeing just now on completion of his mission. The work of redemption that was agreed within the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit that the Son would become incarnate, that is, take upon himself human nature, that he would live an obedient life, that he would die a death and be resurrected. That work was finished and completed when Jesus gave himself, he fulfilled the plan and he emerged victorious, the grave was empty. And when he defeated sin and death and the devil, all things were subdued under his feet and all things were given from the Father to the Son." The Apostle Paul writes of this great authority that Jesus has, that he received following his death and resurrection. We saw this a few months ago when we were going through the book of Philippians. The Apostle Paul says this Jesus, we read, made himself nothing, took upon the nature of a servant, and being born in the likeness of men, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross, listen, therefore God has exalted him highly and bestowed on him the name that is above every name so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Can I get an amen? All right, not bad. See, Paul is saying in this amazing passage that Jesus has received all authority bestowed on him by his Father through his obedience. In the words of one philosopher, a man by the name of Abraham Kuiper, there is not one corner of the universe over which Christ cannot cry, Mine. He has all authority that's important for us to understand for two reasons. The authority of Jesus that we're seeing here, that he says here that he has before he commissions the church, is important for two reasons. Number one, it challenges us. And number two, it comforts us. First of all, it challenges us as a church and as individuals. It challenges us because this great figure, this man, Jesus Christ, who has all authority, who commands the universe, who says to his people, go and make disciples. And so therefore, on the basis of his authority, we are challenged to go and make disciples. The authority challenges us. When he says jump, we should jump. But don't forget, when you hear this word authority and this word command, yes, it challenges us, but don't forget, this is no austere faceless leader that we're talking about with ultimate power Jesus is the king of love he's the one who gave his life for his people and so his call to go and make disciples is not coercion he calls his people to obey him because we love him and so yes we are charged to go and make disciples But we do it because we know Christ and we adore him and we want to obey him. First, the authority of Jesus challenges us. But secondly, the authority of Jesus, it comforts us. It comforts us. Jesus has authority over all things. We were just seeing that. All of heaven and earth and everything in it. But don't forget it's that sphere that Jesus sends us into and so Jesus gives us the tools and the, the resources and he sends us out we it feels like to us we're sent into the unknown to go and make disciples we have no idea what he is sending us into but it's only unknown to us it's not unknown to him because he's got all authority there's no surprises for Jesus there's no surprises when he sends us out in his eyes. There are no complete obstacles. There are no barriers to his achieving his purposes, according to Jesus. And so that gives us great comfort because we might see our own efforts to make disciples undermined. We might hear of the gospel being rejected when we try and share it with friends and neighbours and co-workers. We might see our own efforts as a church Come to nothing. We might see nothing but apathy or hostility or put even persecution. But yet, because Christ has all authority, we can be comforted. Because He directs and governs His people by His Spirit, His purposes will come to pass. His people will see success. They will bear fruit. Imagine, for a second, if you were enlisted in the armed forces and you were sent to war, travelling overseas, because the general of your battalion has instructed you to go. So off you go with the rest of your crew. An earthly leader, an earthly general, can at best supply you and the rest of the military with the best weapons, the, the strongest firepower, he can train you as best he can, but the outcome ultimately is out of the hands of the general. He or she doesn't know ultimately what will happen. With all that training and all those resources, who knows? But that is not so with Jesus. Because he is the one who has authority over all things His disciples go into the world knowing for absolute certainty that His kingdom will come. His will shall be done. And it will come through the changing of hearts and minds by the Holy Spirit. This is an absolute certainty. You see, the extent that we see our own experiences And how they vary on God's sovereign choice is the extent that we will get comfort from knowing that Jesus has all authority. The outcome is guaranteed. The kingdom will come on earth as it is in heaven. So it challenges us to go, but it comforts us because he's over all things and nothing is outside of his power. We've seen being missional in practice flows out of worship. We've just seen that being missional in practice is motivated by authority. So thirdly and finally, this scripture teaches us that being missional in practice as a church is obeyed by making disciples. Look at verse 19 and 20 with me. This is the Great Commission proper, if you like. Jesus says, Go, therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. You know, the key word in all of this, the key verb in the original Greek language, matheteo, which means... Make disciples. That's the key controlling verb in this whole section. Go and make disciples. Previously, previous generations of Christians understood go to be the most important bit. But modern linguistic understanding shows that it's the making of disciples that's the key in what Jesus is saying here. Yes, go is important. We'll see that in a few moments. But it's the making of disciples that is the way to be missional in practice. So what does this look like according to Jesus? Well, he he shows us making disciples is characterized by two things. It's characterized by the baptism of new believers. You see that in verse 19, baptizing them in the name of Jesus, marking the beginning of their new life with Jesus. That's what baptism is for. And it's saying this person being baptized is under new management. They're under new authority. They're being baptised in or into the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And then it goes on to say, Jesus goes on to say, following their entrance into the new life through baptism, they are are then to be taught, you see that in verse 20, to observe all that Jesus has commanded them to do. We can summarise it like that, this. At baptism, new disciples are enrolled into the school of Christ. And I hope hope it's clear. I hope you understand that to be enrolled in the school of Christ, to be taught to obey Jesus isn't just to be taught a bunch of facts about the Bible or some really interesting theology. That's not what it is. Ultimately, that's helpful, but that's not what it is to become a follower of Jesus. It's taught to observe, to obey, to live, to do all that Christ commanded, not just to memorize it, But to live, every disciple is to live under their new ownership. They are to learn how to please God, how to honour him with their whole lives. That's what the catechism is pointing to, by the way. But do you notice in this verse as well, it gives us very little details on how specifically this should happen what it looks like for a church to make disciples it's kind of non-specific it's just go and make disciples and baptize them and teach them but within that there is this great flexibility that Jesus leaves open for each individual and each generation and each church to decide uh, in, in the wisdom of God how to approach this how to do it but before we run off in a million directions, we, we need to read the rest of the scriptures to understand how the first apostles you know, of Jesus, who heard this with their own ears, how they fulfilled the Great Commission. Because then when we understand how they did it, we can start thinking about how we should obey the Great Commission as a church here in Belfast in the 21st century. When you read the book of Acts, for example, which is after the four Gospels in the New Testament, the book of Acts shows how the apostles interpreted the Great Commission. It shows that they fearlessly preached the gospel of Jesus in any and every situation. It shows that they went far and wide with the good news of Jesus, that he was dead and now he's alive for the forgiveness of your sins. When we look at the apostles in the book of Acts, we see that they did whatever it took to get the gospel to the ends of the earth. They sacrificed their lives for the sake of obeying the Great Commission. And as they went and made disciples, they planted new churches and moved on to new fields. That's how the apostles obeyed the Great Commission. So it gives us a rough idea as to how we should obey the Great Commission as a church. See, by the end of the book of Acts in the New Testament, there were churches throughout the Roman Empire both east and west, right into the centre of Rome itself. And the disciples after them continued generation upon generation, kept on bringing the good news of Jesus. They kept on pushing it out. They kept on obeying the Great Commission to the ends of the earth. In fact, as early as the 5th century AD, the Gospel, the good news of Jesus came to Ireland through the missionary work of St. Patrick. In fact, if you are a Christian here tonight, you are a Christian because someone before you obeyed the Great Commission. Generation upon generation upon generation keep obeying and acting out this call to make disciples. So for the last few moments, let's think how this looks for us as, a, as individuals and as a church. It wants to be missional and practice. how does that look for us? as an individual it might look different for each person but obeying the great commission that we've just been looking at here is not optional for genuine believers of Jesus Christ obeying the great commission isn't just for the young ones or the extroverts or the ones with time on their hands or the single ones or the older ones the Great Commission is something that every genuine believer of Jesus must obey and can obey and wants to obey because it flows from worship so for each of us there's always going to be a going element there's always going to be a moving out element whether choosing to leave behind some comforts for the sake of Christ, whether you're being called into a foreign territory, whether you're taking risks for the sake of Jesus, (coughs) embracing a sacrificial attitude, as a follower of Jesus, you will do whatever it takes to obey the Great Commission. For many of us, this might mean intentionally forming close relationships with those outside the church, going to the same coffee shops all the time so that we can get to know the staff. Maybe visiting the same hairdresser or barber to form an ongoing conversation. Maybe always visiting the same shops, so that you can have that connection with the local shopkeepers, whatever it is. There's great space as we've seen in this text for us to be creative. I can't obey the great commission in the same way that you can because only you work where you work and have the family you have and have the neighbours you have. I don't have those neighbours. Only you do. But we get to be bold for Jesus and that's what this is all about. Don't forget he has all authority. So how could we be anything less than bold when it comes to Jesus? For many this might mean being intentional in disciple making in the usual rhythms of life. Whether it's in your own families and the the routine of the school run and the meal times bedtimes in your own neighborhood in your own place of work that is where god sends you to live out the great commission you don't necessarily need to quit all that so that you can go and become a missionary in another country but for many of, of us, it's this ordinary everyday life stuff. For others, it might involve actually physically leaving your home, actually leaving your country. Long-term or short-term, it might involve putting these comforts to one side. <coughs> As a church, we want to be missional in practice, and that means that we need to work hard to create and grow a culture of discipleship. It's the very air we breathe, it's the fabric that makes us who we are, a culture of discipleship. Everything we do as a church must be about making disciples, somewhere along the line, connecting the dots back to the Great Commission. We've got to find a way in all of our ministries, whether it's Christians Against Poverty, International Justice Mission, serving local families, helping at the center, we connect that somehow to making disciples of Jesus. As a church, it means that we have to be committed to investing significant money and resources to obeying the Great Commission. We have to be bold and creative in our efforts. A church committed to disciple making should think seriously about church planting in the future, establishing new churches that don't exist at the moment. That's what the apostles did in the book of Acts. And for us as a new church plant here, we've only been going seven months, give or take a few weeks. Sounds kind of out of place for us to be thinking about replicating and and, and planting again. And yet that is our future hope and our focus as a church to be intentional in the planting of further churches as God so directs us in this country and beyond. That's all we can say about that at the moment. A church that is committed finally to disciple making things in terms of all nations. Jesus says I am sending you to all nations to make disciples. So for some of us that means going to the ends of the earth. But when we look at our city we realise that God has brought the ends of the earth to us. And so we need to think as a church about how we can minister to people from every nationality in our city. Let's tie things up just now, being missional in practice flows from worship. We've seen that being a missional in practice is motivated by the authority of Jesus. And finally, being missional in practice is obeyed by making disciples. Let me finish by saying this. Seems evident to me that we are at a time of great opportunity as a church. Great opportunity in this land there seems to be a finely balanced window of opportunity which is open to us at the moment. There is an interest in spirituality in the general society. There is an open to the Christian message that still remains. And yet it will only be like that for a certain amount of time. And so as a church that wants to be missional in practice, we have an opportunity to serve God now, to obey the Great Commission now. In this generation, there is so much diversity in this part of the city alone in South Belfast, so many different people groups. We're meeting in the Chinese Welfare Center. We must see the opportunities that God is giving us and that they are only here for a limited time. So let's grab the opportunity as a church with both hands for the name and the renown of Christ Jesus. the power of the holy spirit for the glory of god alone let's pray